the second pick, the Philadelphia Eagles select Donovan McNabb, quarterback, Syracuse University. Don't boo. Hello again and welcome to another edition of the Philly Frenetics podcast. He's John, I'm Joe. John, we missed each other last week. We decided to put off our recording after the Sixers Game 5 debacle, thinking, hey, we'll have maybe Game 7 to talk about next week or, you know, moving on to the next round or a post-mortem. Instead, we had another disastrous performance in Game 6. So here we are. How are you feeling, bud? I know, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was working in Maryland that day, and I was kind of timing out. It's like, oh, you know, if I if I kind of like rush home a little bit, I'll, at least I'll I'll get the fourth quarter, and then things kind of broke, you know, like in a positive direction. It's like, you know, I might get some of the third quarter. I got home <laughs> right in time for the entire second half. There was another uh, Philly guy uh, working with me. Uh, he lives a little, little elsewhere. But we were talking the whole time about like, oh, we, you know, we can listen to the game on the, w- the way back, and then we'll, you know, get home. Maybe we'll get home at this time. Blah blah blah. And then uh, it quickly became apparent that I wish I was still driving and did not get home in time. <laughs> and then you got home for the third quarter. The Sixers never made it. <laughs> right. And I almost texted him saying something, but I figured like, uh, you know, long day. He probably doesn't want to want to hear from me. Five minutes later, I got a text from him saying, why did I like rush <laughs> we home? rushed home for this? <laughs> yeah. So, oh, man, you know, that worked out. Well, not really. We're going to talk about the Sixers tonight. We've decided that we are going to focus strictly on the Sixers. We don't have a lot of time. You're a very busy man. I'm glad I was able to lock you down for whatever 30, 35 minute session we have here. Not even sure if we're going to be able to record next week. The week after I know we're off, John's moving into what I can only assume is this palatial estate somewhere out in the hills where we can record podcasts all day long, right? You can assume that. <laughs> well, you know what they say when they assume, when you assume, right? <laughs> We're, we're, we're going to hold off all the Phillies talk that we that we normally go off on a tangent about, our one Phillies thought that takes 15 minutes. We're, we're going to do just Phillies next week if we're able to record. How does that sound? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Howie Roseman lurks out there. Something will happen. <laughs> Especially if it's not for another two weeks. All right. We'll talk about the Sixers tonight. We will talk about the Phillies next time and anything that Howie Roseman may get up to in the intervening. But first... We're going to try, to try to get through this quickly. We also have a lot of hurt feelings. So on a night like this, John, what are you drinking? Nothing. And I'll tell you why. Because the champagne remains on ice yet again. <laughs> hey, Joe, what are you drinking? I, I, I read a stat. Someone said something about the Sixers have not been involved in, or they've only been involved in one of the last 36 Eastern Conference Finals. That is jarring. Like, you, you can luck your way into a conference finals. The Hawks did it last year, <laughs> and the Sixers have done it once in 36 years. They might have actually lucked themselves into that final that year, too. Just, you know, it's, it wasn't exactly <laughs> hey, the a, a dynasty team. They were the top seed. 
Uh, I'm drinking some leftover iced coffee uh, for no reason other than if I don't drink it, it'll stay in the fridge and it'll start to do that thing where it kind of separates into the, the melted ice and the coffee and it's just really not good. So I'm trying to finish that off and give myself a little pep in what is otherwise a pepless discussion. And that was brought to you by content you can only get here. And that was What Are You Drinking? Brought to you this week by the 2021-22 Sixers. This sequel sucked. John, the Sixers lost 99-90 on Thursday night. A scoreline that I think flatters them immensely. They lose the series four games to two. Eliminated in the second round of the NBA playoffs. In in in, in a result that, uh, well, I mean, I'll tip my cap. You, you, you saw coming. I mean, I think maybe we all saw it coming, but we, we wanted to believe you were the one who was willing to go out there and say, I think they're going to have a second round exit. So uh, I guess kudos in some way. I take that pleasure in this, honestly. Like, here we go again. It's yeah, just, like I said, that sequel sucked. <laughs> you know, they are who we thought they were again. Uh, it's, you know, the thing is, it's like, it's, it's, very reminiscent of past exits where it's one of those things where we kind of saw it coming, but it didn't really have to be that way. And yet it was again. I don't want to compare them to other teams, but I'm going to do that. Uh, even the Flyers, right? It was 12 years ago around this time of year. We've been seeing all the, the memories pop up. Down 3-0 to Boston, came back and won the series. The Eagles lost their MVP quarterback, he who shall not be named, battled through, won the Super Bowl. The Phillies, I mean, we just saw them out of nowhere almost sweep the Dodgers. The Sixers, it seems like, I I cannot remember the last time they hit any sort of adversity as a franchise and didn't fold like a cheap tent. Is there a time you can remember them battling back from anything? There was a stat that I saw that that they had like never won a series that they fell down three two that they lost game five. I, I I can't remember if it was never or in the last X number of years. It, it, it was it was inexplicably bad. Like they, they do not respond well to having their backs against the wall. They just crumple as a group. We've talked about this before. The Sixers haven't had a lot of great teams, especially within the last 30 years. But the teams that are good are flat-out dominant among the best, most memorable NBA teams ever. Like you said, the, the Sixers in, you know, with Allen Iverson, that run, they were a number one seed. Dr. J's team. But they weren't, they, like they, a, they weren't like a dominant number one seeded team. They just had a, a crazy good player in Allen Iverson and a good group around him. And then... You know, they basically got steamrolled by the Lakers, and they were a flash in the pan. You, know, you just started talking about Dr. J. Those teams were, like you said, some of the best teams in NBA history. They, they, they only won the one title, but they were basically a dynasty with Boston atop the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and they, they probably should have won more. You can make that argument about a lot of teams in this town, but yeah, that's the era of Sixers basketball that you probably think, oh, wow, they only got one title out of it. Just like the the late 2000s Phillies, the early 2000s Eagles, who who got zero titles, but you know the 1967 Sixers often considered you know, the greatest team of all time. So there's something about this team, and I say that even though last year they went down three two to Atlanta, won Game Six on the road, 
before you know whatever befell them in game seven but it just seems like they cannot respond it it doesn't matter who the players are it doesn't matter who the coach is they do not respond to getting punched in the mouth the way other teams in the NBA the way even other teams in in Philadelphia do it, it's I, I I wish I knew the answer because you know Joel Embiid is not soft you saw what he did this postseason and w- what he was dealing with I don't think Tyrese Maxey is soft I don't think Tobias Harris is soft he he looked like he almost got killed on the court at the end of that Celtics series in the bubble remember he took that hard fall at the end of the last game yeah, we talked about it on this, this yeah, podcast. I very remember very early, one of our first episodes. Yeah, yeah, I re- remember thinking, like, sort of what I've, I've we've said before. You know, it comes up where like, don't judge him by the contract, judge him by you know what he does. And you know, he played incredibly hard this series. Right, Joel Embiid. I think the laziest sports take in the world, and I understand it, but the laziest sports take in the world is that he didn't get MVP and he sulked, and that's why they lost. I think if you're judging someone by body language, I would think having a messed up hand, a broken face, and a concussion to where you can't even look at your phone the day before, but yet you're yeah. you're, you're playing. I, I don't know if I would be bubbly if I was going through that. <laughs> and and honestly, he, he had to play. Uh, I know I saw some things that's like, oh, if he's not you know, ready to go, then he shouldn't play. But it's like, did you see the other games in that series? Like, yeah. what he's done, um, I, you know, I'd, I've thought about this a couple of other times throughout this playoff run. And earlier in the year, you asked me what he has to do to have his number retired. And I said a couple of more seasons like this. You know what? Given what we've seen, hang it up next year. <laughs> I, I think I think he's there. I think you know hitting that shot in Toronto was, you know, what he needed. Ultimately, I, you know, there are some other things like like you said, this team just doesn't have the it factor to where they can like they they never should have gotten in this position to get him hurt because they should have just beaten Toronto at home. Towards the end, boom, series over. You know, ultimately, you know, we talked about it before. You know, that's where, you know, you can only feel so sorry for them. But at some point, it's like, what is it about this team where they just don't have the ability to step on someone's throat? It's not that Joel Embiid doesn't play hard. Is it just the position? Like, is it like, do they, you know, they got another guard who's of the Ben Simmons ilk? Like, what is it? It's it's a weird thing, and it's not just the stars. You can't just look at the stars. So, like, to answer your question, a long-winded answer, I don't know. <laughs> of the Ben Simmons ilk, I know he didn't take any shots the other night in the second half, but you just took one at James Harden. <laughs> and here I thought what I was going to say was rude. I was going to say, I don't think James Harden is soft necessarily, but his maybe physical softness is part of the issue that he had this year, and he needs to maybe get himself in a little different kind of playing shape for next year because we know he's going to be back. But just to wrap that point up, I, 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 and it seems like you agree, I don't think the Sixers have individually soft players. As a team, they're incredibly soft. And I want to ask you where that comes from, what fixes that, but 
I don't think we have the answers. I, I don't really think there is one. I don't, I don't know what it is. You just kind of, like you said, you either have it or you don't. And this organization doesn't have it. At least not here as we sit in May of 2022. Yeah, when what, like a third of the team after the game says, you know, we don't have mental toughness and they're very critical players Yeah. <laughs> in that lineup. It's one of those, it's like, are we just saying this? Is it looking in the mirror? Is it looking further down the bench? Like, what is this? That that was very weird to me to see that many players say that. Yeah. Speaking of toughness, John, a couple weeks ago, you, I'll give you credit for inventing a game, you created a segment called Fill in the Blank, very self-explanatory. You told me you wanted to play Fill in the Blank again. So we're dividing up the responsibilities. This part of the, the, the show, we're talking about what happened and what went wrong. I've got, you, you asked for three questions. I've got four for you. About the <laughs> about the the second round here uh, of the Sixers and the NBA playoffs. First question: The Sixers lost this series because blank. James Harden. Interesting. What what did James Harden do or not do that you think cost them the series? He didn't shoot the ball. <laughs> I guess I just answer my own question. I mean, you have eyes too, right? It just <laughs> you know, whatever happened in that last game. Granted, like I said, I only saw half of it, and I wasn't about to go back and watch the first half on tape, <laughs> knowing how that ended. It just body language-wise, and I don't like, again, to judge people by body language, because that, that's, you know, a whole lot other... Like, that, that's, a, that's a slippery slope. The Just watching him, watching him react, like, we've seen this before. It's one reason why when he came here, we originally were like, yay? And just... We were excited that not Ben Simmons was playing point guard, but also very wary of... Cautiously optimistic. Yes, of his reputation. And his reputation definitely preceded him. Like, it's it's true. I think the biggest answer there is because Joel Embiid missed games one and two. And his health was, was the biggest factor, I think. James Harden not playing... Well, I guess he was playing like playoff James Harden. James Harden not playing like the James Harden that that we saw the first few games here in Philadelphia, I, I think is easily number two. But with Embiid, they win one of those first two games probably, and it's a whole other series. Which leads into question number two then. The series MVP was? James Butler. It's literally Jimmy. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know if I that want to call James him James Butler right in now. that series, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> look, he... Uh, Man, like a typical villain role. Like not, not just it's. It's one thing to just beat us in our own city. It's another thing to just rub it in our faces afterwards and say that he wished he 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 stayed here and he didn't understand why they kept they didn't keep him and blah blah blah. It's like you know. Thank I, you. I think it's obvious they didn't pick Tobias Harris over him. They picked Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler. And oh, 100%. I don't think he would have stayed anyway. I, I, I honestly believe that. I, I believe that, that every time he says that he wanted to, he's lying. He would never have, have survived here being Jimmy Butler as the second in command to Joel Embiid. And he was never going to be the top dog here. He's one of those guys that needs to be the unquestioned alpha top dog. And that's what he is in Miami. And he's thriving. And we, we saw him thrive all over us for six games. But. He would never have stayed here, and if he did, he would have probably worked a trade out of town by now. And and you will not convince me otherwise. But you did get that question wrong. It was kind of a trick question. 
based on what I said to the first one, the series MVP didn't even play in the series. It was Pascal Siakam. Close, John, but obviously his elbow and forearm to the face of Joel Embiid changed the, the complexion, well, of what Joel Embiid's face looks like, but also this series. And without that heinous attack, we're looking at a different series. And, and maybe we have our top dog to counter, James Butler. But, I mean, the obvious answer was that Jimmy Butler was the guy. But I, I definitely think that Siakam should get a couple of, of votes in that MVP race. Next question. <laughs> On opening night next season, Tobias Harris will suit up for blank. Ooh. I'm going to say the Sixers, but I like the question because I feel like we're kind of stuck with Harden. The answer is either the Sixers or somebody else. I have absolutely yeah. no idea what kind of trade Daryl Morey would be able to work out. Yeah, I, f- I feel like if any of their uh, quote-unquote big three goes, it's 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 probably him. Uh, but So you think Tobias Harris is part of the big three? Interesting that that's where your mind went. You mean big three contracts? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess. That's your bailout for that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. Like, the, the nominal stars. Like, I think Tyrus Maxey's obviously uh, on the rise. Uh, but as, as much as I've heaped praise on him throughout this podcast, uh, I think it's obvious that he has, a, he has a next step that he needs to take. That's not a knock on him. That's just a fact. And right. I think he can be a star in the, in the NBA. He just needs to to grow a little bit more and hopefully this the series you saw flashes of it but to be a star you need to be able to go out and do what Jimmy Butler did you need to be able to do that for most of the series I mean he's right now possibly the Sixers version of Alec Bohm right Alec Bohm great rookie season awful last year turning it around this year Tyrese Maxey fine as a rookie made the leap as a second year player but such a small sample size we, we do need to see it. We have every reason to believe that he can do it, and we really want him to. But like you say, to rely on him as, as a star already is a bit too much. Last question. The biggest winners of the playoffs so far, I think, are Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, and the Dallas Mavericks. The biggest loser is blank. Oof. I got to go Chris Paul. It's just... As a whole, the funny thing is, you could argue that he and James Harden have the same legacy, but I feel like Chris Paul, he's a little older, I feel like you know he has to live up to that whole point god thing, and James Harden is kind of, we all kind of knew he was this anyways, so to absolutely flop like the Suns have. I mean, they were a top seed. The Mavericks, nobody gave them a shot, and we were all wrong. I, I think the Suns as a whole is a good answer to that question. I would also say the Brooklyn Nets because they put together a big three with Irving, Durant, and Harden. They traded Harden for a new big three. Ben Simmons never saw the floor. And now the question is, are they going to break that group up? There's a lot of talk about Ben Simmons maybe being traded before he ever suits up for Brooklyn. So I would call the Nets pretty gigantic losers. From a Sixers standpoint, real quick, Matisse Thibel, I think, saw the biggest knock on his reputation slash legacy 
Oh, he doesn't have a legacy. A guy like Joel Embiid and James Harden, they have legacies. Matisse Thibel has a reputation, and I think his took the biggest hit. Obviously, the the fact that he couldn't play in Toronto in games three, four, and six in the first round, but it, it almost felt like he didn't play in any of the other games either. Well, here we go. I think I think you stole one of my questions. Uh, <laughs> well, then in that case, why don't we take a break and. When we come back, you're going to flip things around and you're going to ask me three questions, which could be four or five, about where the Sixers go from here. And we'll talk a little bit about that. So stick around. We'll be right back on the Philly Frenetics podcast. back here on the Philly Frenetics podcast. We just talked about the dismal ending to another 76er season. And every time you talk about something ending, you, you, you have to talk about something beginning. And now that the Sixers are done, the 22-23 season is already underway, at least in the minds of fans across town. And we, we were going to sit here and we were going to talk about you know, where the Sixers go from here. But as I mentioned before, you wanted to to do the whole fill in the blank thing. I think you really just wanted to put me on the spot and make me squirm a little. And you, you you <laughs> you took this part because it's so open ended. <laughs> I, I, you gave me the things that had definite answers. I've got the open ended. Okay, fix the Sixers job. So uh, well played by you. So let's just jump right into it. We talked about what happened. Let's talk about what happens. John, hit me with your first question. Let's pick up where we left off. Matisse Thibel, how disappointed in in him are you? That's really difficult to say because like he plays a very specific role, right? Like if he has ten points, everyone's like, Wow, what a great offensive game for Matisse because he's out there to play defense, right? To hustle, make make some plays, but he's mostly out there to play defense. And I don't think anybody played very good defense in this the second series. So and you look at, you know, we talked about stars and big threes and big fours. If you've got Embiid and Harden and Maxi and Harris out there, if Thibel's the fifth guy out there, basically what's his job to do? Like get get in Jimmy Butler's face? Well, nobody did anything to Jimmy Butler in this series. So it's really difficult for me to to say I'm disappointed in Matisse Thibel himself. Disappointed in all of them in the way they played all three games in Miami and game six. They, they absolutely no-showed in the second half of Game 6. So it, it's really difficult to to, to 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 quantify it, he said, stalling to, to try to find an answer. I will say, on a scale of 1 to 5, 2.9 or 3, I don't think I'm any more disappointed in him than I am in everybody else because I don't think I expect all that much from him. He's a complimentary player, and... You know, if them winning or losing a series the way they did is not going to be because of Matisse Thibel. He can make a play or two to win a game the way that, that Drew Holiday made a defensive play to win a game. I think it was against uh, was it against Boston 
they made a play or two in one series down the floor. Yeah, that was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I mean, that that's something. I'm I'm gonna have to hard disagree with you on this one. If we're talking about disappointment on a, a scale of one to five, uh, I got to give it a four point five. Is it because of the vaccine thing and then not playing, or just the way he played? I mean, I'd lie if I said that didn't factor into the equation. Right. But that's probably like the the point five of it. Like overall, when you look at his his career, like you know maybe he's just not that guy. And that and that would make it unfair for me. But, you know, we got on Ben Simmons for showing absolutely zero development in his shooting game. And, you know, turnarounds fair play. Like, Matisse Thibault, I think he's somehow gotten worse. And, you know, it's hard to be a 3 and D guy when you don't have the 3 part of it. And, you know, again, maybe he's just not that guy. Maybe... In the long run, that's on the Sixers for putting him high up enough in the rotation to where you're really depending on him being like a key player, and he's not that guy. So there's that aspect of it. But overall, he's just, I think he's regressed. And I think this could be a change of scenery offseason for him. I'm going to hard disagree with your methodology there, if I may. Uh, I think you can absolutely be much more critical of franchise cornerstone max contract Ben Simmons than you are of Matisse Thibel for having the same issue, that's right? A, that's, that's not wrong. I'm just not ben, saying that Ben you... Simmons is supposed to be a, an all-star, and all-NBA transformational type player. Matisse Thibel, like you said, is supposed to be a 3 and D guy. And yeah, if he's missing the three part and that's not getting any better, well, then you reassess. But I think, I think you can absolutely hold Ben Simmons to a higher standard, and we should, and we did. I, I just personally did not expect the world out of Matisse Thibel. I think now he's probably got a little bit more scrutiny on him. He was beloved in, in town, and everyone was thrilled that they didn't trade him. Now I think it's going to be – maybe that luster has worn off a little bit, and people might be more critical of him, and, and maybe maybe you're right. Maybe he's packaged with – if Tobias Harris goes somewhere else, maybe he's part of the deal, and people aren't as upset as they would have been if he had been sent to Brooklyn. Danny Green's legacy with the Sixers is blank. Complicated. He's a guy who you, you talk about three and D, right? Well, he's a guy who didn't he is that guy. Yeah, he didn't necessarily do either of those things very well for long stretches, but he was a guy that you knew could show up and hit six threes in a game. And we talked about it last year. Him getting injured really affected that Atlanta series in a way that I don't think enough people gave credit for him going out early in game six really hard to say how much of an impact that had uh i will say it did lead to one of the more unfortunate random glances at my phone uh, i was at work so i i got in the car not too long after the injury happened early in the game and i turn on tom mcginnis but before i hear him say anything about it i see a notification from Woj that he's not going to return to the game and and that he he's going to get an MRI. I'm like, well, this probably isn't good. And then I was at a red light on my way home, and I look down and I see two notifications. One is a tweet uh, from Woj saying that the Sixers feel like it's probably a pretty serious injury. And then one minute later is a fantasy notification from ESPN that Bryce Harper had a small tear in his UCL. Absolutely incredible 60 seconds of notifications for Philly sports fans. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I have to say complicated 
because I feel like he probably made a fair amount of money and maybe we didn't get the production out of it. But I also feel like he may have been brought in in small part for the intangible stuff. And I don't know what kind of impact he had on those younger guys. Chances are we don't see him in a Sixers uniform again after this injury. He's got one year left, but he, he tore two ligaments in his knee. And that is something where maybe he's maybe he's healthy enough to play by next year's playoffs. Who knows? Maybe earlier, but he's also at a point where his career might be over. Right. This could be the that this could be the last we ever see of him. Yeah. Just because so, of where he is. I, I think his legacy will be he was a nice player. He performed admirably for the Sixers, but ultimately was not as good as he had been in prior stints with other teams, I think is a fair way to put it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, I think he's he's one of these guys that, you know, we talk about intangibles and, you know, a lot of times as fans, like we say, that's a very lip service type of thing. But the reality is, you know, two postseasons in a row, as soon as he goes down, they look like a completely different team. And like, yeah. this is a guy who at one point this season had zero points, rebounds, and assists or steals in a single NBA game. And if you're relying on that guy to keep your team's head in the game, something's wrong. And to lead into our next question, I think that points to an issue a little bit further down the bench. So I asked this a couple weeks ago. Who was the hotter seat, Doc or Joe? Do you mean Joe Girardi? Yeah. John, I thought we were holding off on the Phillies thing. (laughs) You just can't help yourself, huh? Um, I mean, ask me a week ago, and and the answer is Girardi. <laughs> ask me now, and, and Doc Rivers' seat. I, I didn't watch Game of Thrones, but uh, spoiler alert: when the dragon melted that throne, that is the chair that Doc Rivers is sitting on all summer. Daryl Morey said he's going to be back, and you could hear the groans uh, in the place where I was. But I think collectively, it was more of just a. Uh, uh, a sigh, like, all right. And, and that might be a sign of, of 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 blossoming indifference that is pretty dangerous for the Sixers among the fan base. But I I think it's an unfair question because we know Rivers will not be fired before October. And Joe Girardi saw us to manage every day between now and October. So I think the odds probably have to lean towards Girardi simply because it's early in the baseball season. Then again, they've been great this week, although – People wanted to blame him for uh, bad bullpen use in, in in the one win in L.A. But I, I think that they're both too early in their tenures to make a change like that. And I feel like the biggest issue with the Phillies is, is not the manager. It's it's really it's, it's the roster construction. And this is an experiment that they're doing with this whole, you know, mash it out of the ballpark and try to figure out everything else on the fly. And then Bryce Harper's injury kind of threw a monkey wrench into that. So the guy you signed to be a DH is now your right fielder. But with Doc Rivers, it's only been two years, right? And we asked this question before, what what do you think he should have done differently? You know, if you want him fired, what should he have done? So I'm going to turn this around on you. Do you think that the Sixers should make a change in head coach? I think they should make a change, and I don't think they're going to make a change. I think the Lakers 
Actually, I think they're hoping the Lakers make that change for them. <laughs> so that way they can move Interesting. on. Interesting. Well, let me let me ask you then. Why why? What what do you blame on Doc Rivers about the last two um, playoff failures? This is a tough one because last year I think everyone saw the Ben Simmons thing coming. Maybe not exactly that, but we knew he was going to be a liability on that end of the floor. And we, a lot of us, and I'll, myself included, thought, you know, just bench him because he's not going to come through when you need him. Um, but I also understood why it's really hard to bench your starting point guard. Like if you if bench isn't... Ben Simmons, you end up in the situation that you ultimately ended up in anyway. Right. And <laughs> so fast forward to this year, can't really do that with James Harden. It's not quite the same. Um, I think ultimately um, there's a vibe to Doc that I think extends to his team and somewhat extends for Brett Brown is there's a constant uh, excuse making. I, I think in... I would say, all I was about to say in each season, but there's there's many seasons of of this of disappointment with this roster. Um, when you look at it, you know, with Brett Brown, it was constantly like, oh, the guys we just got, we didn't give them enough time, or he was he was sticking up for his guys. A lot of it, I I get it. Uh, with Doc Rivers, I, I think there's a general vibe of. Well, this is the this is the issue, and there's nothing we can do about it, which might be true, but it's this general vibe of like, well, you're the head coach, you're the guy who's supposed to be trying to to figure it out, and I will say to his credit, the Sixers played two against two very good coaches, but they both seem like coaches where, like, they're playing checkers, or I'm sorry, they're playing chess actually, and Doc Rivers is kind of. Like all he wants to do is play checkers. Like he doesn't, he doesn't feel like it. it's like. Well, why why do I have to stoop to their game? I don't want to play what they're playing. They're, they're playing checkers, and, and Doc brought his pencil to play tic tac toe. Yeah, <laughs> so, something something like that. Like the thing is, like I think he used to be that guy, but you know, earlier in the year he was named one of the top fifteen NBA coaches of all time, and I don't know if anyone in Philadelphia would say that right now. I mean, that certainly went to his head. Like he talks like somebody who has won a lot more than one championship. He has Phil Jackson on the like third championship with the Lakers. You know, doesn't yeah. have enough like fingers for for rings. Yeah, like swag. That's what he's. That's what he's got right now. And he's not that guy. And some of it's some of it's how he handles himself in the press. And that's something that we really shouldn't focus on too much. But. You know, I feel like it's extending to his team. It's something and, that Philadelphia obsesses over. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like I, like I don't care about Eagles coaches post game press conferences unless we're you know making fun of you know certain remarks, but they don't mean anything. They're supposed to lie. But you can also say that a large part of the reason why they are where they are is because he didn't have this common sense. Common sense to stick up for Ben Simmons and just lie. Do what you're supposed to do in that situation. And say, yes, he's a championship point guard. And then maybe they don't get into exactly the situation they had. And that is on him. That is 100% on him. I'm not saying what Ben Simmons did before or since is justified, but you got to know better. Right. You talked about Brett Brown defending his guys and, and 
you know, if Doc was going to be defensive because he was defending his guys, that's one thing. But he's also the one crapping on his own guys half the time, it seems like. So right. we get to do that. He doesn't yeah. get to do that. <laughs> he needs to start a podcast or come on ours. You're welcome at any time, Glenn. Um, but ultimately, when it comes down to him, like, I just I don't know what people expect him to do. As we came into these playoffs, we, we said the Sixers bench was not deep enough to to succeed and it, and it proved correct uh the starters did not play well enough to win either so at what point is it on the coach I, I don't know if you want to make the argument they need a fresh start okay but you know you don't want to talk about the process the process left you with a handful of cards and you don't have too many left at this point right Joel Embiid is almost 30 and I I think the fact that he hasn't played as many games early in his career as a lot of guys have can bode well for him moving forward. But the reason he hasn't played in those games is the injuries and, and it is, it's unnatural to be that large of a human being. We see big men get hurt all the time and, and, and they're hampered by that stuff. Greg Oden, a great uh, cautionary tale in that regard, but Joel Embiid's prime is now here and you know, it, it doesn't get extended. So, they're they're running out of time and they're running out of options and you, you know you can't change coaches every couple of years and think all right well maybe this guy's going to figure it out but I, I I guess I say I wouldn't blame Doc as much as other people do but I also would not necessarily you know be distraught if he wasn't the coach anymore <laughs> I, I'm I'm kind of indifferent on him at this point well which which for me is, is that's saying something in and of itself for me to be indifferent on something <laughs> anything. Um, so one final option, my last question, would you trade James Harden for Chris Paul? I, I will just say this. I was, was texting with a friend last night and, and he was saying about, you know, Chris Paul when the Suns lost and I was like, come to the Sixers, baby. And then, and then he texts me back and he's like, oof, CP3 has lost four straight game sevens. And I wrote, Come to Boston slash Milwaukee slash Miami slash Toronto, CP3. <laughs> um, uh, huh. So here's the deal. One, I'm disappointed that you already had this conversation with someone because <laughs> I, I had this cooking in my brain for a couple hours thinking like, oh, he's not going to see this one coming. Uh, <laughs> I, I was wrong. So he, here's what I'm thinking. I'm not proposing this. I'm throwing it out there. I'm not even sure I want to do it. But here's what we know. James Harden is going to make $47 million this year and possibly sign an extension. Ouch. Like that, that's, that's a lot <laughs> to take in right now. So yeah. I, obviously I don't think he would make $47 million over the a year for the length of that extension, but you're going to be paying him a lot of money. That's the bottom line. He's 32 years old right now. Chris Paul, five years older. He is currently under contract for three seasons, for three more seasons after this. In each of those seasons, the most he makes is only, only a bargain of $30,800,000 a year. He makes under that in the other two seasons. You're probably paying James Harden more than that. And they're already kind of in a crunch. They're going to be signing Tyrese Maxey at some point to some extension. We'll see you know, what happens with that. You know, 
Honestly, Chris Paul is in better shape at age 37 than James Harden is at age 32. I feel like Chris Paul is more likely to finish out his contract. So, you know, I think there's, like, if you're going to change one more thing, you know, I'm, I wouldn't hate it. I absolutely wouldn't hate it. Huh. Daryl Morey has acquired Chris Paul before. He's also acquired James Harden before. Twice. Twice. <laughs> oh, man. That is... Uh, you could probably sign a couple of nice shooters for that money you would save, too. I, I can't believe I'm going to say that. John, let's do it. Let's do it. Let, let, let's let Chris Paul try to try to, to, to burnish his legacy and, and get that elusive championship here with the Sixers. Let's do it. Let's send James Harden out to Phoenix. Oh, then again, if you're Phoenix, are you really going to add James Harden to Devin Booker? I don't care. <laughs> at, at, at this point, I don't. We don't care. have I, to win the trade for both teams, only for the Sixers. You know, you uh, have to. Yeah, think- let's make that deal. I would make that deal. The way that you present it, yes, I'll, I'll make that deal. Contingent on using that money and signing a couple of, you know, forty percent three point shooters. Yeah, it, and it's one of those things. There's there would obviously be other parts that they come into play. Uh, I am not there yet. I only thought of this while I was waiting in line at the grocery store. So I haven't thought about the other parts to it, but it is something it's like, okay, well, if you, if you were going to unload James Harden, what other, you're not going to do it for Russell Westbrook. So what other star would you do it for? What other malcontent slash other teams problem would you get? And right now I, you'd have to wonder if Phoenix is thinking, do we want Chris Paul to come back? Come home, baby. It's not home, but come home, baby. Come home to Philly. <laughs> John, I think that's a good note to end on. Uh, uh, maybe a little positive optimism for the, the NBA offseason, which is always crazy bonkers in some way. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Our website, phillyfrenetics.com. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at phillyfrenetics. Like I mentioned, not exactly sure of our schedule the next couple of weeks. Kind of a busy time for both of us. John doesn't quite have the new studio ready uh, in the the estate, we're going to call it. But uh, he'll get that ready. We'll start recording there, right? Right, John? Sure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Get to work on that. But whenever I talk to you next, I promise all Phillies slash a little Howie Roseman. How's that sound? Works for me. See you next time, John. See you next time.